0: Thanks again, Michelle, and please keep your Bibles open there at Jude as we have a look at this letter together. Let's pray and ask God to help us understand it. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word, the Bible, you teach us about yourself, you teach us about ourselves, and you teach us how to live as your people. Uh, Help us uh, in this, we ask. Help us as we read uh, this part of your word this morning to understand what we're reading and uh, to grow as your people because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What would you say is truly worth fighting for? Uh, People fight for things all the time. Uh, The whole world has been watching a fight in Europe for months now between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, When you look at something like this, a war, you see that imagery and language of fighting constantly. The reality for the Ukrainians is that they're fighting to hold on to their country, their homes, their freedom, their very lives. Uh, And on the nightly news, you see the consequences of losing that fight. Uh, As people flee the country, homeless and penniless houses Apartment blocks, schools, hospitals uh, reduced to rubble by, uh, by, by the shelling. You, you see bodies in the streets, those on both sides who've lost the fight and lost their lives, uh, which is surely uh, the greatest thing worth fighting for in a conflict like this, often considered the greatest thing worth fighting for, full stop, <laughs> our lives. What do you think is worth fighting for? What's the, the one thing, the one issue that faced with the decision to either hold on to it or let it go, that you would fight to hold on to it. The thing that if you were to lose it, would have the greatest consequences for your life. What do you think is worth fighting for? In the letter we're looking at today, Jude answers that question for all Christians. Jude says that faith is worth fighting for. If there's one thing no Christian can stand to lose... It's your faith in Jesus. There are plenty of things that seem important to us, plenty of things we may consider worth fighting for, plenty of things we may expend a lot of energy fighting for, our jobs, our our power or authority, our money, our homes, our possessions, even the breath in our lungs. Uh, But those things will disappear. Uh, Those things will disappear. One day the... The whole earth will be renewed and only our faith in Jesus brings us eternal life in heaven. Uh, Losing our faith in Jesus will mean eternal condemnation. So in the end, faith is the one thing most worth fighting for. Uh, Have a look again at the first few verses of Jude, uh, verses 1 to 3. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Now Jude identifies himself here as the Uh, The brother of James, the brother of Jesus. And most scholars agree this is the same person referred to in Matthew 13 and Mark 6 as uh, Jude or Judas, one of the brothers of Jesus. Uh, But he doesn't directly refer to himself as the brother of Jesus. His readers would have known who he was. He chooses instead to refer to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, not looking for any extra notoriety, uh, but identifying simply as... One among those he's writing to, servants of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the saviour who they all together have been kept for, called and loved by God. And Jude writes uh, to urge his readers, fellow servants of Jesus, to fight, contend, he says, for the faith. The word contend here uh, doesn't appear anywhere else in the New Testament has the meaning of a powerful struggle like a wrestling match. Uh, Imagine muscly, sweaty, Greco-Roman wrestlers. You might have seen them on the Olympics, uh, pushing and straining to throw each other, pin each other to the mat. That's the idea of this word, to contend. Uh, And what is the faith that Jude is talking about? Well, it's the gospel, the truth uh, of salvation from sin through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Uh, Forgiveness for sin by God's grace, uh, the hope of eternal life in heaven. Uh, This this gospel which has been entrusted, taught and entrusted to all Christians. Jude writes to urge his readers uh, to fight for this faith. Uh, And Jude is writing this letter uh, to all Christians. Uh, Have a look again at verse 1. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Uh, Jude is writing to uh, all Christians. If you're a Christian, you're being urged by Jude to contend for the faith, to fight for the faith. Uh, as a brother of Jesus, uh, Jude would have been an important figure in the early church, well-respected. You might think that, especially having an inside track with the apostles, maybe he... Why is he writing to, to all Christians? Maybe he should just write uh, to, to the apostles, perhaps. Uh, especially when it comes to fighting for something as important as the gospel truth, the the faith we've been taught, surely that's something you uh, want to entrust the leadership to fight for. No, Jude writes to all Christians, it's not the job of some uh, ruling class or spiritual elite to fight for the faith. It's not just the job of elders and ministers and pastors to fight for the faith. No Christian can simply leave that job to those in authority in the church, uh, especially because it might be that your leaders don't want to fight for the faith sometimes. Uh, we can't abdicate the responsibility of defending the gospel to anyone else. The faith, as Jude says, uh, it was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. The saints, many versions say, it's entrusted to all Christians. And it's the responsibility of all Christians to fight for that faith. Uh, each of us ultimately uh, responsible uh, for our own faith, how we, how we live out our faith in our lives and how we defend against the attacks, the challenges to our faith that will inevitably come. Uh, need to be very clear about that as we start. Judah's urging all Christians to fight for the faith. And what is the issue uh, that... Uh, he's writing about. Why is Jude urging his readers to uh, contend in this way? Well, it's because they're being attacked. Uh, Sometimes you fight because you want to take something from someone else. Uh, Sometimes you fight to stop someone taking what's yours. And that's why Jude's readers are urged to fight. Certain people, false teachers, have infiltrated the church. Uh, They oppose the gospel and are headed themselves for destruction and condemnation. And Jude knows the worst thing for his readers would be to lose their faith, to follow these men to their destruction. Uh, Some false teachers in the New Testament uh, we read about them in other places. They want to perhaps add to the faith, and that's bad enough. But the men Jude uh, warns about, they go even further. These men pervert God's grace, and they deny that Jesus is Lord. Uh, Have a read from verse 4 with me. Verse 4. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. They deny the very faith uh, that the church is based on. They turn grace into license. Free forgiveness from God becomes an excuse to freely sin and they also, <coughs> pardon me, deny that Jesus is Lord. It's a full frontal attack on the Christian faith. Uh, one of the areas, perhaps, we see this most openly and obviously today is in the area of uh, sexual ethics, uh, the same-sex marriage debate. Uh, about five years ago, uh, showed a variety of opinion between Christians of all denominations, and, and the debate hasn't really slowed down. Uh, the Anglican Church in Australia held their National Synod this year where a statement in support of traditional marriage was passed by majority in the House of the Laity and the House of the Clergy, but was voted down in the House of Bishops, 12 votes to 10. Uh, Sexual sexual ethics have been debated for decades now in the Anglican Communion when Joe and I uh, were at Moore College in Sydney. Uh, We heard from a visiting speaker, a bishop from the Anglican Church in Uganda. He spoke about the rift forming in the worldwide Anglican Communion, the split forming between those who follow a liberal theology, uh, who happily promote homosexuality as normal, uh, ordaining gay clergy, celebrating gay marriage, uh, and and those, on the other hand, who hold to the reformed doctrines of the Christian faith, define sexual morality uh, as it's taught in the Bible. And the split is largely between the Western Church, England, USA and Canada and the developing church spearheaded by Africa. Now, this African bishop, he had a simple plea to the long-established Western church. Uh, Please don't abandon Christ, he said. Centuries ago, you brought us the gospel. You gave us the Bible and you said you must believe these truths to be saved. Please now, don't abandon that truth and replace it with a lie. If you abandon Christ, we can't stand with you, he said. And the African Anglican churches, along with many conservative Anglicans around the world, including uh, the Sydney Diocese, plead with the worldwide Anglican Church not to go down this path. The debate continues. Uh, The churches who hold to the gospel seek to protect their members from false teaching, from immorality, uh, distance themselves from the worldwide Anglican Church. And I mentioned the issues in the Anglican Church largely because it's been in the news a bit lately. You may have heard of the National Synod and because it's been part of... But, of course, this is an issue for nearly all denominations. The Presbyterian Church worldwide is by no means immune from challenges to the Christian faith or the temptation to turn grace into licence to adopt immoral positions. The Presbyterian Church in Scotland, the birthplace of our denomination, now has the policy of ordaining, practising homosexuals, uh, as does the Presbyterian Church USA, uh, the largest Presbyterian denomination in America. The issues Judas's readers are facing, uh, of course, are are, are no doubt... There's some (laughs) examples. The issues Judas is uh, talking about are no doubt broader than sexual morality. Uh, But it's an example of what happens when God's grace becomes a licence to sin... Uh, When the pressure to adopt immorality, to pervert God's grace, to deny Jesus as Lord, uh, that that pressure often comes from within the church. Uh, And the men Judas is talking about, these false teachers, uh, they are turning God's grace into a license to sin, rejecting Jesus as Lord. And so Jude gives some pretty unflattering descriptions of them. Jump ahead a little bit with me. We're going to read from verse 8 and see some of the ways Jude describes the people he's talking about. Verses 8 and 9. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Jude is quoting there from the Testament of Moses. In verse 9, an extra-biblical Jewish writing from the first century AD. Uh, Jude does this a couple of times. We'll read another bit shortly. And that's one of the reasons that uh, Jude was one of the the last books to be agreed on as, as being Uh, added to the the canon of of Christian scripture. Um, Questions raised from time to time about the authority of what Jude is saying here. Is he making the testament of Moses authoritative biblically? Well, Well, no. He's simply drawing on the belief and tradition of his readers to show that not even celestial beings can put themselves above God's authority. And yet, these ungodly people that he's addressing the church about, uh, that they, they put themselves above God's authorities on the strength of their own dreams. <laughs> from verse ten, yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error, they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Uh, from verse 12. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Uh, you see that it's a pretty virulent kind of attack on these guys. Uh, verses 14 and 15. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them, See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness, and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Uh, Jude again quoting there from an extra biblical text, the first book of Enoch, uh, written in the first century BC. The quote uh, itself is an amalgam of quotes from other parts of Scripture. Again, drawing on the belief and tradition of his readers to show that those who abandon the faith will be judged. It's a warning about those who indulge happily in ungodly living and a warning for people of faith who may be be tempted by them. Uh, And finally, verse 16. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Jude leaves us in no uh, question about how he feels about these people, what kind of people they are. They are sinful, selfish men. This is a scathing review. Some some sort of rank this as second only to Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, the woes pronounced there, if you remember, we looked at earlier in the year. These men ignore the truth. They reject God's authority. They're simply out to satisfy their own sinful desires. They're involved in the kind of behaviour no Christian could be involved in and still call themselves a Christian. And that's just the problem. And you abandon the faith and you abandon hope and salvation. Jesus, uh, Judas uh, Jude <laughs> says these men look forward to God's punishment for their deeds. And anyone who follows them will share their fate. Come back to verse 5 with me. Jude spells out just what's at stake here. Uh, gives some, some more stark warnings. Verses 5 to 7. Though you already know all of, all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling... These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Jude gives us a bit of Old Testament commentary here. Three examples of God's judgment on those who rebel against God's authority. Uh, The people of Israel are rescued from Egypt, but... Refuse to enter Canaan, that's timely, given that we've just finished looking at the book of Exodus. Uh, so God sends Israel uh, to wander for 40 years in the wilderness until a whole generation dies. Uh, in verse six, uh, the angels that Jude refers to could be uh, talking about, uh, could be referring to a number of parts of, of Scripture. Uh, many uh, commentators think it's about Genesis chapter six where the sons of God marry the daughters of men, uh, 2 Peter 2, uh, talks a little bit uh, about that as well. Uh, it's uncertain exactly what Jude's referring to there when he talks about uh, the angels who did not keep their positions of authority. But whatever it refers to, God punishes their rebellion and binds them for judgment. And the sexual perversion of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, perhaps a much more familiar uh, reference, God destroys those cities and everyone in them. Uh, powerful warnings of punishment for ignoring God's authority. Uh, Jude's doing what was done for a mate of mine in Sydney once. Rowan was cat- running to catch a train home and he was late. He comes running down the stairs. He hits the platform just as the train's pulling out. Uh, it was an older train with doors at the end of each carriage and open walkways between the carriages. So as the train starts to move out from the station, he (laughs) goes running alongside the train, jumps onto that walkway between the carriages and through the door and onto the carriage. Uh, Now, of course, the conductor sees him do this. He stops the train, pulls Rowan off the carriage, takes him to the office where they sit him down and show him a a picture book, (laughs) a gruesome picture book full of pictures of other guys who have done just exactly what he just did. Uh, but less successfully, Uh, guys with missing arms and legs and open skulls. Apparently it was really quite graphic. This is what can happen when you jump onto a moving train, the conductor said. Don't do it. It's a warning. And that's what Jude's doing here. He's letting his readers know what's at stake. He wants them to avoid the fate that these particular men will face. What happens when you disobey God's authority? Well, it can only end badly for you. And as Jude writes, you can imagine that's his concern for every Christian. Uh, neither his readers nor the opponents they face are really firmly identified. Uh, we don't know for sure uh, exactly who these people he's writing about are. And we could read this today and see that it's true for every Christian, that we ought to be wary of opposition to our faith. We ought to seek to avoid the fate of those who reject God's authority. Uh, and that message uh, is relevant to whether you currently face strong opposition or not. Uh, we may not have been infiltrated by godless people here at Bald Hills. Uh, have a look around you. You're probably not sitting next to a person who denies that Jesus is Lord or who uses grace as a license to sin, or maybe just in little ways, um, But we live in a world that denies that Jesus is Lord. We live in a world where we're surrounded constantly by those who don't share our faith, a world that largely rejects God and gives us a million opportunities to leave the Christian faith. The opportunity for immorality is constantly present. And while our church may be okay at the moment, we can see, we know the damage that's done to churches, to denominations, when you depart from the faith, it's taught in the Bible. Now, Whether it's those churches who are happy to ordain, practicing homosexuals, perform same-sex marriage ceremonies, or whether it's churches where the pastor commits adultery and tries to justify himself. Ritual and ceremony are the things that save you, and the gospel is obscured. There are many ways that we can abandon the faith, many ways that we can be drawn away from the faith that has been entrusted to us, we can easily pervert God's grace uh, and use that grace as a, as a coverall to indulge in sinful behaviour. So we need to keep our faith strong. Uh, we need to be prepared for the day those challenges come from within. Uh, how do we do this? How do we fight for our faith? Well, Strangely enough, it's not by going on the offensive. Now, that may be a common strategy in certain Situations, a common worldly approach. That's certainly how the Ukrainians defending themselves against Russia. This is, that's what happens in war. Best defence is a strong offence, surely. But that's not the way that Christians fight for the faith. Jude's already made it clear that God deals with those who reject his authority. When Jude says contend for the faith, he means we should be holding firmly to our faith, developing our defences so that we won't also face God's judgment. Really, it's about reminding ourselves of the victory Christ has already won. Uh, Reminding ourselves of the victory Christ has already won and sticking firmly to our faith in God. Remaining confident of our salvation. Uh, that, uh, That victory that Christ has won, that's something we'll learn about over and over again as we Look at the book of Revelation this term. That is what we rely on. Uh, Look at what Jude says there from verse 17. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts that do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Our faith in Jesus is our safe haven. Uh, like a, a medieval castle, we need to stay within Strong walls to be safe from attackers. A breach in the walls lets in the enemy. So we need to maintain the defences. We need to be built up in our faith to be continually surrounded and protected by God's love. Continually relying, trusting in Jesus. Relying on him to keep us strong until we get to heaven. Uh, And this can be done in so many ways. I'm going to let you just going to talk briefly about three very boring ways to do this. (laughs) First of all, by reading our Bible. (laughs) Reading our Bible, letting God's word inform our lives, helping us to view the world around us from God's perspective uh, rather than judging our faith by the world's standards. A sure way to start inviting immorality in is to start judging our behaviour by the world's standards rather than God's. So we spend time in God's word. We let that be our guide. Uh, We could do it by spending time regularly with other Christians, uh, by getting to church regularly, by encouraging and being encouraged, by coming to the prayer meeting, by joining a growth group, by spending time with our fellow Christians. And we do it by praying. Uh, expressing our dependence on God through his spirit. Because it is God who's won the victory. It's God who provides the defense that we need. It's God who uh, keeps us, as Jude says at the start of his letter. And so we pray, we continue. All these things build us up in our faith and Yeah, they're pretty boring applications, I know. Come on, Brad, tell us something interesting. Read your Bible, go to church, pray more. We've heard all that before. It might seem like an overused application sometimes, but I think that's just because it's always relevant. (laughs) Always relevant and often neglected, isn't it? We can't do better than the basics, Bible, church and prayer. But often they're the first things we let go of. They're the things we don't do. We take them for granted. We need to be building our defences, bolstering, uh, strengthening our faith, growing in our faith, relying on God in his word, through his spirit, and encouraging each other in that. The fight for our faith is, is not something we do alone. It's not something we do simply to keep ourselves safe. Jude says we ought to be looking out for each other, looking out for Christians who are struggling, for those who are falling into sin. We should be bringing each other back to faith in Jesus continually while being careful not to be affected by sin ourselves. Uh, Have a read from verse 22. Verses 22 and 23. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So we also fight for each other. We fight in this, uh, we contend for the faith uh, together, this fight. It's not every man for himself. We would be doing the wrong thing if we simply sat back while our Christian brothers and sisters fell away. We need to be actively helping our fellow Christians in the fight uh, because surely we want to be in heaven together when Jesus returns, don't we? Uh, so we look out for each other, we encourage each other, we pull each other up when we start to sin, always making sure, of course, that we're not drawn into the same struggles. This means that we need to know what each other is struggling with. Uh, if you're struggling with sin or doubt or immorality, you know, talk to someone about it. Tell someone else in the church, tell a Christian friend. Don't be ashamed, everyone struggles with sin, unless you're not human. But if you're human, you struggle with sin, right? Uh, don't be ashamed of that, but seek help, uh, seek support, seek encouragement. The important thing is that we help each other through it, uh, actively looking out for each other. If you notice someone who's struggling with sin or if someone comes to you and asks for help, give the help that's needed or find someone who can give the help. Love the person who's struggling. Help them deal with their sin. That may not always be well received, of course. Uh, We persevere in helping each other because we're called to help each other fight for the faith. We should never think that we're immune. Uh, That would be the height of pride and arrogance, wouldn't it? To think, well, of course that's never going to happen to me. Uh, We can all think of examples where departure from the gospel has Damaged churches and families and individuals. We can all think of times when we've done it ourselves. It's a tragedy. We fight to prevent. Jude finishes his letter uh, with words uh, that will be familiar to you if you've been around church for a while. Uh, we fight for the faith, uh, yes, because we want to go to heaven and not hell. We want to avoid uh, that that punishment that speaks. Uh, Jude speaks of that the punishment. Uh, God has in store for those who reject his authority. We want to avoid that, but that's not the main purpose of our faith. The goal of our faith, primarily, is to bring glory to God. Uh, and this is because it's God who gets us through it. It's God who has provided the salvation and who keeps us strong in our faith to the end. Uh, and so it's him we keep relying on. It's him we give the glory to as we live lives of faith. Uh, the last two verses, read there with me verses 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. What's worth fighting for in life? Well, if you're a Christian, your faith in Jesus is worth fighting for more than anything else. It's the most precious thing you own. Because your faith in Jesus leads to eternal life. That fight will often be against challenges that come within come from within the church, come from those who fellow Christians or those who call themselves your fellow Christians. And the fight, uh, it's, it's for ourselves as individuals, but for the whole church, we fight together. And we contend for the faith together. And ultimately, uh, we do it because that brings glory to God. And we do it with confidence. We, we contend for the faith with confidence. Because we know that God has won the victory. We know that God will get us through to the end. Let's pray and thank God for that. Please pray with me. We thank you and praise you that we have had the opportunity to hear the gospel, to learn the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus, and that we've had the opportunity to put our faith in Jesus, to receive the salvation you offer. Please help us to remember how important and precious our faith is. Help us as we face so much opposition to the Christian faith in the world. Help us as we face challenges. Help us to fight for our faith. Help us to protect it, to strengthen it, as we rely on you. And help us to remember, Lord, that through Christ, you have won the victory over sin and death, that you are keeping us, holding us close, until we are one day with you in heaven forever. Help us to encourage each other uh, in this wonderful truth as we look forward to the day Jesus returns. And help us to do this, Lord, in order that you would be glorified. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.